You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. All right, so like Pastor said, this verse came to me, um, well, it came to me when I was reading my devotions. The Lord really spoke to me through this verse. Um, I don't know if, if you guys ever have the same thing happen, but it came to certain parts in this verse where some of them I could laugh. Some of them were kind of puzzling. But then there's some verses that I came to where, and you know me, I, I'm not one to cry. <laughs> but there were some where I, I literally just sitting there alone It just started pouring. But tonight I'm going to introduce you to, not to a message, but to a great woman. 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. And we'll begin reading in verse 8. Second Kings chapter four, verse eight. Still hear a little rustling. All right. Second Kings chapter four, four, verse eight. The Bible says, and it fell on a day that Elisha passed Shunem, where a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Let us make a chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and table and stool and candlestick. And it shall be, when he cometh to us, that he shall return in and thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? What hast thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child. And her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thy handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to the lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him, he brought him to his mother. He sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men, and 
one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither noon or new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward, slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel, and it, and it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, It is well with thee. Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy child? And she answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord hid, her, hid it from me and hath not told me. Then she said, Did I desire a son of my, of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins and take thy staff in thy hand and go to thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not, and if any salute thee, answer him not again. And lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and, and told him, saying, The child is not awakened or awaked. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, and shut the door unto, the, unto them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and, and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he, he stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned, walking into the, in, in the house to and fro, and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called to Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. So he called her. And when she was come into him, he said, take, take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground. And took up her son and went out. Look with me back in verse, six, in verse 21. This is the verse that, that stuck out to me uh, the most. The Bible says, and when, she, and when and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. This evening I'm going to preach a message on faith to shut the door. Faith to shut the door. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. I pray, dear Lord, that you have this story come alive and allow me to give, the, give this story, dear Lord, the, the way you revealed it to me. I pray, dear Lord, that tonight that many of us have things that are going on. Many of us have things that are burdening us. Many of us have things, thoughts of what we'll do tomorrow, thoughts of school, thoughts of work, thoughts of children, many thoughts, dear Lord. But, dear Lord, I ask that you help calm the minds and open the hearts, dear Lord, that we might hear from you. And, dear Lord, I pray that after hearing the message, dear Lord, I, I pray that it comes across clearly, but I pray that, dear Lord, you can use this message. And I pray that the, your people can use this message, dear Lord. Be with us now, dear Lord, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I'm going to introduce you to this great woman, and, and why is she great? 
Because the Bible says she's great. In verse 8, written on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says she was a great. And if the Lord says she's great, that's all I need. Many commentators of the Bible, the Bible have stated that the Shunammite woman was possibly great because of her age. If you look in verse 14, at the latter part it says, Verily she had no child and her husband was old. So therefore, if her husband was old, then she has to be of, of an older age well, as well. Many commentators say that she was a great woman because she had great wealth. She had a great reputation. But when I read this passage, and when I read this passage in my devotion, this passage came to life, and the Lord pointed out to me that this woman was great because of her faith. Notice with me, number one here, her faith in God. The Shunammite woman had enough faith to take care of Elisha. She had enough faith to take care of the man of God. She had enough faith that she was going to do it at her own expense. She wasn't asking for anything in return. She, didn't, she wasn't getting paid for it. She wasn't nothing. Verse 9 and she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by continually. She, she had enough faith to perceive that this is a man of God. She had enough faith to know that I need to take care of the man of God. She had enough faith to, to have that, that, that hospitality to want to bring this person into her home. She had enough faith in verse 10 to, to build a special chamber to, to the house, to her house, to literally build a special room just for the man of God, somewhere where he could study, somewhere he, he could write, somewhere he could sleep. And then in verse 12 and 13, she does so much for him that Elisha wishes to pay her back. Look, look, look in verse 12 and 13 with me. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful for us with all of this care. What is to be done for thee? Notice the next thing that he, that he says. Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain, the host? Like, can I, can I present you in, in front of royalty? Can I, can I mention your name to them? Can I, can I tell them of the things that you've done? Well, look what their answer in verse 13. The very, the very last. And she answered, I dwell among my own people. She's essentially saying, Elisha, I, I appreciate it, but that's not why I'm doing this. I'm not doing all this because I want you to pay me back. I'm not doing all this to look good in front of royalty. I'm not doing all this to look, to look good in front of people. I'm doing this because I want to take care of the man of God. But then in verse 14, Gehazi points out 
And he says, and he said, when, when, what then is to be done for her? So essentially, Elisha's asking Gehazi, like, what, what, what can we do for her? And Gehazi at this point knows that she doesn't have a child. And he says, verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. He points out that, yeah, that she doesn't have a child, but she also points out that she's, she's up in age. She's, she's to that point where she can no longer have children. She's beyond the age of, of, having, those, of having children, but not only that, there, there comes a time in your life when, when as, as you progress, that you just stop thinking about children. Having children anyways, you never stop thinking about your children, but there comes a time in life when it's like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to have any more children. That, that's the age she's up to. But if you think about it, this helps to make, make the story come alive. Here's where the story just jumped out of the page of me. Think with me. Think with me. What does every woman desire from a young age? Every, every woman begins to play with dolls. They, be, they begin to play house. They begin to want to babysit. They begin to want to take care of younger siblings, take care of younger children in the church. Girls love children. I think of Cassidy. It's like, I can't get her away from little children. But praise the Lord that God put that instinct in our little girls. Many of us wouldn't be here without a godly woman in our life. That mother, in, motherly instinct comes natural. And praise the Lord for it. Now our world would say that that needs to change, that women need to be in the workplace and leave the children with a daycare or with a sitter or have a maid take care of your child and know your child more than you do. But praise the Lord that God puts that in women. What the Shunammite woman has never had is a child. And now she's to the point where she can't have a child. She's too old to have a child. She has, she has pretty much gotten to the point in her life where she's resigned to even thinking about it. At one point in her life, that's, that's maybe all that she could think about is I want to have a child, I want to have a child. Maybe they tried. The Bible doesn't say. Maybe she tried, and they, and they couldn't. Maybe she was barren from the beginning. I, the Bible doesn't say, but this entire time, you're thinking that all she wanted was a child. Her entire life, this is her entire dream, was to have a child. And now, now she's kind of gotten to the point where it's like, okay, I've accepted the fact that I'm not going to have a child. But I believe that she's thinking, maybe, maybe I could take care of Elisha. Maybe I could take care of Elisha as if he was my own child. She took care of Elisha because of her faith in God, but alongside her faith was her God-given desire to be a mother. Think back in the story with me, but now with this thought in, the mind, in your mind of the Shunammite's desire to be a, a mother. Maybe Elisha was the same age as, as, as a child would have been if she would have had a child. Maybe her friends all had children, and, and this is now, he is now the same age as them. Maybe when they were young, she told her husband in verse 10, look with me there real quick, let us make a little chamber, and I pray thee on the wall, 
And let us set for him there a bed and table and stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in hither. Could it be that this room, when they bought the house, that it was always her dream to build this room for her child? And now she finally goes back to that time and she's saying, she asked her husband. She asked her husband in, in uh, what is it, verse, verse 10. <clears throat> and let us set it for, uh, let us make a chamber, uh, or make a, make a little chamber, I pray thee. She's essentially almost to the point of, she's asking her husband, I, I pray thee, can, can we do this for him? Maybe she's thinking to herself, and maybe she's telling him, I know that we're never going to have a child. But you remember when we talked about when we bought this home, that, I, that we reserved this room and we said that we were going to build this for our child. Can we build it now? But instead of for our child, can we, can we build it for Elisha? Can we take care of the man of God as if he's our own son? She had always desired to have somebody she could take care of. Somebody she could feed. Somebody she could house. Somebody that she could love. Now look in verse 16. And after he calls her, and, and she stood in the door, and <clears throat> then he says, About the season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie upon thy handmaiden. Elisha now says, this time next year, you're, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a child to care for of your own. Her answer. Her answer. Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie to thy handmaid. She's essentially saying, no, no, wait, stop. You, you don't understand. This, this has been my dream my entire life. Don't lie to me. She's getting her hopes up. It's, maybe you guys had a dream at some point in life, and, and that's all you could think about. Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's uh, when, you, when, you, when you got time to have children, and it came to that time, and you prayed about it, and you prayed about it, and you prayed about it, and you prayed about it. And then you go to the doctor, and what's the doctor say? You're pregnant. Maybe you had the same thing. How did you feel? It's like, no, wait, wait. You've you got to be kidding me. The joy that filled your soul, the, the, the joy that just filled you completely, just took you up, took over you. Maybe you had a dream of maybe owning a home and you, you never thought it was possible. You never thought that maybe a home that you had picked out you'd ever be able to afford or maybe you ever thought the bank would say yes. You go through all the inspections and everything else, and <laughs> you finally get to that point and to that day when, when they say, hey, your closing date's on such and such day. And you're like, wait a minute. No, don't lie to me. Granted, your closing date changes about 15 times. but <laughs> Whatever that dream was, everyone, I believe, has had something that they've prayed for, something that you fasted for something that you felt so burdened about that finally came true. Think back to that time with me. How did you feel? 
How did you feel? The, the, the joy that just came over you, the, the excitement that came over you, the, maybe the scared, you were scared about it. You're like, what, what in the world do I do now? That's, that's pretty much what this, this, what this woman is saying. She's like, no, no. And if this is true, you better not be lying to me. Now think with me, this, heart, this woman's heart's desire has never, never come to be. Her dream has never come true. She's prayed about it. She's dreamt about it. She's fasted for it. She's everything. In her younger years, she's poured out to have a child, and it's never come true. Her only desire was to have a child of her own. But it, was not, it never come true until... Look at me in verse 17. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. When, when reading the Bible, I believe it's, 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 it's important to put yourself in people's shoes. Imagine what these people were thinking. Imagine what their surroundings were. Imagine what their feelings were. At this point, after the child is born, between verse 17 and 18, imagine the memories. The first crawl, the first walk. Her being able to watch the father teach the son how to work. Maybe looking out of the window of their home and seeing the father and the son outside working together. Not only that, just, this, just the sheer joy that comes over her that she's made her husband happy. She's finally been able to give what her husband what he's always wanted. Someone to carry on the family name. Perhaps she was reassured that her, that her husband would somehow... Or if he did somehow pass before her, there's now somebody in the family to take care of her. Someone to take over the property, somebody to help with the workaround. Maybe she's even thinking up to the point where he's now getting older and she's thinking, man, one day I'm going to have grandkids. Can you imagine? Little rugrats running around everywhere, tearing up my dishes, tearing up my tablecloths, tearing up my... <laughs> but just those memories... All of those memories just that they've made up until this point. We don't know how many, how, how, how many years have passed, but enough, enough years have passed to make memories. It doesn't take long to make memories. But you know he's, he's older because he's now up to the age where he can go out to his, with his dad into the field and work. Say, even, even if he was, say, 10 years old or even older, that's, that's over a decade, over a decade of memories. A lot can happen in 10 years. But then tragedy strikes. Tragedy strikes, which brings me to my second point. Notice with me her faith in God's will. Her faith in God's will. Verse 18 and 19. 
And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father's, or to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to a lad, carry him to his brother, to his mother. Her son that she had longed for, her son that she had prayed for, her son that she had hoped for, her son that she's now made so many memories with, goes out to work one morning and suddenly says four words. My head, my head! The dad, like most of us, sends him to his mother. It's like, hey, <laughs> go to your mother. <laughs> but what does every child want when they're sick? What does every child want when they're not feeling well? They want their mother. They want their mother to hold them. They want their mother the comfort of their mother. Verse 20. That's exactly what she does. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon. And then died. She holds him, but within a, few, within a few hours, he's gone. I, I can't even, as a father myself, I can't even fathom. Like, what, what are those emotions that just flood over you? You've now just witnessed your child take their last breath. I imagine this, this, this woman holds, holds, her, holds her child tight and all the while, all these things are going through her mind like, what happened? Like, what, what? I don't know what happened. But not only that, the memories start to come back. The memories start of, of everything that she's built up to this point is, starts flooding back. And not only that, the broken heart, her heart is broken. Her desire, her lifelong dream has finally come true, but in a very short while, her child is now dead. Ladies, what would you do? Imagine, what, what are those thoughts that would start to flood over your mind? Men, what would y'all do? What are those thoughts that automatically, as soon as... What do you do? What do you do? But look with me. Look at me at what this woman does in verse 21. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Start following the story a little further with me. Verse 22, she tells her, she tells her husband, I'm going to see the man of God. Look at verse 23. And he said, wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. Essentially, her husband says, what? What? Your child has just passed away and you're, you're just going to leave? You're going you're to go see the man of God? It's not a religious holiday. It's not Sunday. It's not. Where, where are you going? Where are you going? Your place is here. I need you here. I need you here to grieve with me. I need you here to be with me. Not only that, you need to be with your son as well. 
He's basically saying, your business is here with the family. Where are you going? But look what she says. And she said, it shall be well. Verse 24, the, the distance from Shunem to Mount Carmel where the man of God was is 25 miles. If you think back to it, why, why would a lady of her age, why would a lady of her age who, who just lost her son travel 25 miles away to see the man of God, to see Elisha? Her answer, it shall be well. And at this point, she's... She's, she's devastated, even, even though everything, everything seems to be going wrong. She just lost her son, every, and, and all the thoughts that are running through her mind, she still has enough faith to say to her husband, it shall be well. In verse 24, this is one of those comical moments here. Then she saddled an ass and, and said to her servant, Drive and go forward, slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. Essentially, she tells her servant, Go! Hurry up! What are you waiting for? Drive! And don't slack because I'm older. Keep going until I tell you to. Essentially, put the pedal to the metal, let's go! When Elisha sees her in verse 25, he's also wondering, why is she here? Look at me in 25. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when, a, when the man of God saw her afar off, he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, yonder is that Shunammite. He, he knows something something's has to be wrong. Same thing. It's, it's, not, it's not the Sabbath. It's, it's not a religious holiday. It's, it's not a new moon. Why, why is she coming to see the man of God just on any day? There has to be something wrong with her. Hey, Gehazi, go run now, I pray thee, to meet her and, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy child? And look what she says. It is well. So when Elisha sees her, he's, he's like I said, he's wondering, why, why is she here? Why? She lives 25 miles away. She's, she's up in age. She, she shouldn't be traveling this far. Something has to be wrong. Run, Gehazi. Go. Hurry. Ask her what's wrong. He essentially says, are, are you okay? Is your husband okay? Is your son okay? And her answer, it is well. It is well. Time out a second. Remember back to when she was leaving the husband. What did she say back in verse 23? Last part of verse 23. What are the four words? It shall be well. However, now 25 miles later, what does she say? What changed in 25 miles? What changed? Faith. And time with God. I believe in those 25 miles, this, this Shunammite woman got alone with God, and, and oh, how important that time is, but maybe she talked out loud. Maybe she talked to the servant. Maybe she talked to the donkey. Who knows? 
But I believe, I believe her time spent in those 25 miles, that precious time, allowed her, allowed this woman who, who had just lost her only son, she lo- she'd lost her dream, her dream that she'd always dreamed of, something she'd wanted her entire life, something that she wanted more than anything in the world. She has just lost that. But she's able to go from telling her husband, it shall be well, to now 25 miles later, it is well. It is well. Many times when, when we're left to our own thoughts, what happens? What happens? Many times when, if we were in this situation and we were left to our own thoughts, what, what do we do? We start to conjure up these own, our own conclusions and, and things that may have happened, and we start to think the worst. Many times we start to make mountains out of molehills. We start telling ourselves maybe the pity things in life that she didn't talk to me, so she must be mad at me. He didn't talk to me today, so he must be mad at me. Can you imagine what many of us would have started thinking in this situation? Imagine going back to that dream that you had. Imagine that dream being taken away and you're left alone to your thoughts, what would you start thinking? Maybe why? Why did this happen? You start thinking to yourself, trying to get into these conclusions or maybe the medical history of it and saying, well, well maybe it was the heat. Maybe, maybe it was a brain aneurysm. Maybe it was, you start thinking of all these things and, and then you start thinking, well, well maybe, maybe you start thinking like Lot's friends, maybe, maybe, the sin is, maybe there's sin in my life. Maybe there's sin in my husband's life and that's why this occurred. But the faith of this woman allowed her in 25 miles to go from it shall be well to it is well. Look back with me at verse 27. She comes to Elisha and falls at his feet. Mind you, the reverence to God and the reverence to the man of God. Gehazi goes to want to throw her away or throw her off and... Later on in the verse, you're gonna, we're going to run into more issues with Gehazi, but we're not going to focus on those tonight. There's a huge turning point in verse 27 here. And when she came to the man of God, to the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord had hid it from me. And hath not told me. Elisha now points out that her soul is vexed. Verse 28. Then she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? I tell you, when, you, when, we, when we read this verse and we fail to put ourselves in, in, in her shoes, you fail to see what's, what's really going on. And we fail to see what she's going through. This is her pride and joy, her lifelong dream. Her precious son is now laying dead. She's devastated. She tells Elisha, I told you not to lie to me. I told you not to lie to me. If I desired anything, it was to have a child, and, and now he's gone. I didn't ask you for this. Remember back, I didn't ask you for this. I didn't want you to repay me with anything. Don't you remember what I said to you back in verse 16? I told you, 
Don't lie to thy handmaiden. Let me point out here that in this, in this instance right here, so in this entire thing, Elisha is essentially the mediator between her and God. Who is our mediator? Jesus Christ. We should also take our feelings to Christ as this lady showed her true feelings to Elisha. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. It doesn't say just cast, upon, cast, your, cast some cares upon him. It says cast all. Don't forget that it's very possible to have a strong faith in God and yet still share how you feel with him. Many times I feel like we go to God in, in, in prayer and, and we, don't, we don't share with him how we're feeling. We, just, we go to God and say, Lord, thank you for today and amen. It, but we don't go to the Lord and, and express how we truly feel. In one verse, she's saying to Gehazi, it is well. But in verse 28, she's obviously extremely upset. upset. Did I not say, do not deceive me? Did I not tell you, don't lie to me? Now all of a sudden I've gone from having my dream come true to now my, essentially my worst nightmare. But notice this with me. She is saying, it hurts. I don't understand, and I don't have all the answers. But I can say it is well. Because if this is God's will, it shall be well. She's saying, I'm not going to have the, have the faith in who he is and, and not have the faith in what he does. What's better than God's will? She wasn't lying when she told her husband, it shall be well. She wasn't lying when she told Gehazi, it is well. She wasn't being a hypocrite when she then tells Elisha that the child has died. Stay with me here. This this is the whole message right here. It's huge. Look back at me in verse 21. Again, and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. She had enough faith in, in God's will to take her beloved son up to the man of God's room and shut the door behind her and honestly say, Lord, no matter what happens... No matter if he comes back to life, no matter if he's dead, no matter whatever happens, Lord, Lord, if it's your will, it shall be well. Lord, I'm not sure. Lord, I don't know your plan, but, I, but I'm willing to lay it, lay it on the man of God's bed and shut the door and go out. What do many of y'all have in here tonight? that maybe you need to shut the door on. What do I mean by shutting the door on something? Telling the Lord, no matter what happens, if it's your will, it shall be well. Giving the entire situation to the Lord, your faith, your fears, your feelings, every care, every aspect of your life, knowing that he will take them and do what is right. It may not be what we want, but he's going to do what's right. 
Maybe some of you in here need to give your children to the Lord. When our children were first born, it's one of the first things we did. Lord, you've, you've blessed us with this child. You've, you've blessed us with these two ch- children. It's, but I know you've just given them to us for a little bit. You've given us to them to, to nurture, to bring them up, to show them the way that they should go. But, Lord, they're yours. Lord, they're yours. They're not mine. Lord, if you call them clear across the, the world, it shall be well. It shall be well. Some of y'all in here just, just recently sent your, your, <laughs> your kids, if you still call them, off to college. Some of them clear across the United States. You may be asking yourself, why, Lord, why, why? Why would you send them? But if it's God's will, it shall be well. <clears throat> Maybe this whole coronavirus thing has just got us all out of sorts. Maybe some of us in here just need to shut the door. We, we just need to shut the door on this whole coronavirus thing. Saying, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know what next year is going to bring. But if this thing continues on, it, 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 it's your will. Shut the door. Move on. It shall be well. Lord, if it's your will for this thing to continue, it shall be well. Maybe some of you all need to shut the door on some past hurts. But Brother Rusty, you don't understand. You don't understand that hurt. I don't. But he does. Maybe some of you all need to Shut the door on some past actions that you've done. Maybe you've done some things that you shouldn't have. And maybe you just can't let go of yourself. You can't, you can't allow yourself to move forward. You can't, you can't just repent and move forward. It, it just keeps eating at you and eating at you and eating at you. Shut the door and move on. Shut the door. It shall be well. And know that no matter what, I've shut the door, and I'm not going back. That's the thing. A lot of times, a lot of times we're willing to shut that door, but we take a few steps, and we open that door back up. And then we say, Lord, okay, okay, I'm going to shut the door. Maybe take it a little further. But then we're right back to that door, opening that door, saying, what's changed? What's new? Shut the door and move on. And know that it's God's will and it shall be well. And say, as long as, Lord, as long as you have it, as long as it's your will, it shall be well. I may not understand it. And it doesn't take away all your fear. It doesn't take away all your questions. But having faith and giving everything to him does bring a peace that allows you to say it is well. What is there tonight, church? What do you have? Maybe it's, maybe it's something you've carried with you for years. Maybe it's something that you're just carrying from me from yesterday. I don't know what it is. 
But I do know it's time to shut the door. Shut the door and go out. And know that it is well. Horatio Spafford, during moments of great pain and doubt, American Christians have turned to the words of Horatio Spafford to give them the strength and faith to move forward. The inspirational song that has been such a blessing to so many was written during a time of great thanksgiving and celebration, but at the darkest period into this man's life. In just two years, he had gone from the highest plane of emotional, spiritual, financial, and physical satisfaction to Job-like depths. Yet amazingly, his faith did not waver. Because of the way Spafford addressed this most crushing moment in his life, millions have been able to find light in the darkness. Horatio G. Spafford was a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago with a lovely family, a wife, Anna, and five children. However, they were no strangers to tears and tragedy. Their young son died with pneumonia in 1871, and that same year, much of their business was lost in the Great Chicago Fire. Yet God in his mercy and kindness allowed the business to flourish once more. On November 22nd, 21st, 1873, <clears throat> the French ocean liner was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers were Mrs. Sa Mrs. Spadford and their four daughters. Although Mr. Spafford had planned to go with the family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve an unexpected business problem. He told his wife he would join her and their children in Europe a few days later. His plan was to take another ship about four days into the crossing of the Atlantic. Their ship collided with a powerful iron-hulled Scottish ship. Suddenly, all those on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly brought her four children to the deck. She knelt there with Annie, Margaret Lee, Bessie, and Tanita, and prayed that God would spare them if that could be his will or to make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. Within approximately 12, mil 12 minutes, their ship slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of the passengers, including the four Spafford children. A sailor rowing a small boat of the spot when the ship, where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of wreckage. It was Anna. Still alive, he pulled her into the boat, and they were picked up by another larger vessel, which nine days later landed them in... Cardiff, Wales. From there, she wired her husband a message which began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spadford later framed the telegram and placed it on his office. Another of the ship's passenger, Pastor Wise, later recalled Anna saying, God gave me four daughters. Now they've been taken from me. Someday I'll understand why. Mr. Spafford booked passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife. With a ship about four days out, the captain called Spafford to the cabin and told him they were over the place where his children went down. According to Bertha Spafford Vester, a daughter born after the tragedy, Spafford wrote, It is well with my soul while on this journey. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Anna gave birth to three more children, one of which died at the age of four with dreaded pneumonia. In August of 1881, the Spaffords moved to Jerusalem, where they began work in the ministry for the Lord. Mr. Spafford died and is buried in that city. 
Yet as meaningful as Mr. Spafford's outreach in the Holy Land, it could not come close to the impact of the thoughts he set to the music during the darkest days of his life. It is well with my soul. It is an American gift of faith that has inspired millions around the world. It has helped people throughout wars, disasters, and heartbreak. It has encouraged countless souls to not give up but to go on. Every time America has needed an anthem that has addressed pain that seems too deep to bear, it is well with my soul has come to the forefront. While the hymn may not cause the chest to swell in pride like America the Beautiful, or bring patriotic joy like God bless America, it has been the principal reminder of faith of millions during the times of tribulations. And like America, it is well with my soul has stood the test of time. I have never honestly made the connection between these two. But obviously, maybe in his time of spending time with, with revivals, and he went to many revival messages, maybe he heard a message just like this. Maybe the Lord brought the same thing to him in his devotion. But to know that this woman, the Shunammite woman, going through exactly what he has gone through. But to know that this man, even though going through tragedy... And not losing one child, two children, three children, but all four children. Was still able to know that, Lord, if this is your will, it is well. Lord, whatever, whatever, I don't understand it. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on, but Lord, if, if it's your will, it shall be well. To have such similarities in Horatio's story in the Shunammites and to know that there are others in this life who after everything they've gone through, after the tragedy and after enduring everything that they've had to endure, to still have the faith, to have so much faith in God during these times of trouble, during these times of tragedies, to still have that faith. When many times people turn, many times people turn and run, many times people get mad at the Lord, many times people said, I'm done, I'm done. I don't understand it, and I'm done. I'm, I'm moving on. But to have that faith, to have that unmovable faith, but not only that, to, for that story to come from, when you think of maybe stories in the Bible, you think of these heroic men, you think of men being strong, you think of men having these great battles, but to know that this faith came from a woman, a precious lady, after everything she's gone through, to have faith in the Lord, but to have faith in God's will. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.